Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 278. Today is December 23rd, 2018. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas to everybody out there in the audience. There's not a whole lot of Christmas cheer or holiday spirits in the current stock market, but I hope you have it in your own life. And the down-depressing stock market is exactly what we're going to talk about today. And I know a lot of you are panicked. There's definitely fear in the streets right now because we're within a few percentage points of the S&P going into a full-blown bear market. We're seeing lots of high volume on the stock exchanges with down days one after another. And I know there's a lot of fear and uncertainty out there, but I'll tell you, I remain calm in all this. I've held my positions throughout the year. I've continued to add to them as I had cash available and as more and more lows were made. I kept buying into them. I know that hasn't been a strategy that's worked this year. And I've seen my profits from 2017 all get eroded. But I've continued to hold on through this market. And it's not because I'm someone that believes in dollar cost averaging and buying and holding through anything. That's not my style. But what is my style is usually to take a contrarian attitude towards things. And we're going to talk about that today. But primarily what I use from an analytical standpoint are the chart technicals. We talk about those all the time, the moving averages and the different chart patterns. And I'm not someone that believes in the numerology and gets into all the Elliott wave and Fibonacci numbers and things. And I just don't go that far into the numbers because frankly, I think you can make those numbers come out and say whatever you want to, right? It's kind of like pulling a verse out of the Bible and interpreting it in whatever way you want to promote your agenda with. That's what you can do when you get too deep in the numbers. I like to look at the chart patterns not to try and predict the future, but to assess where I'm at and what has happened in the past. And by studying history and by studying the past, I can come up with certain probabilities for the future, but they are strictly probabilities. No one, not me, not anyone, can predict the future. (laughs) But I digress. Anyways, so chart pattern, or some people call it technical analysis, that's one area I look at. And I talk about it a lot on this podcast, and I you know, put charts and things up on my blog post or over at my YouTube channel because that's easy to do. It's something that I can visually show people. But that's not the only thing I do. I also look at trends, and I'm talking about trends not in the chart pattern, but trends in the marketplace and trends that are both man-made as well as non-man-made. So man-made being, you know, anthropological, things that are caused by the interaction of humans. Everything from politics to wars to government policies, demographics, fear and greed, you know, all the things that humans do. Those things have an effect on the economy and the stock market. And so I try and track those man-made trends. But then I also look at natural trends, you know, things like Mother Nature, tsunamis, hurricanes, the sun cycle, sunspots, droughts, El Nino. All those type of mother nature things also have an impact on the economy and therefore on the stock market. But before I ever look at any type of trend or before I ever look at any type of technical analysis or chart pattern, the first thing I do is I look at the fundamentals. Now, fundamentals are the things you find on company spreadsheets. It's, you know, are they making a profit? Are their sales increasing? What's the productivity? How much free cash flow do they have? These are things that I look at, but I rarely talk about them on a podcast because you know what? It's not very exciting. But trust me on this. That's the first thing I check. 
if the fundamentals aren't within my comfort zone or my risk tolerance, I don't go beyond that and look at any type of trends or any type of technical chart patterns because I just don't care. If it's not fundamentally sound, I'm not interested in investing in it. An example of this would be cryptocurrency and Bitcoin because to me, fundamentally, it wasn't sound. And I know I missed out on a big opportunity on the upswing on that to get in on the market. But I knew that at some point, because it didn't have fundamentals attached to it, it would come crashing down. But nobody wanted to hear that. Much like the dot-com bubble of 2000, or if you go back to, well, I don't know, maybe it was 2012, 2013, is when we had the 3D printing madness and the bubble that came out of that. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon of 3D printing, which wasn't even really a new technology. It had been around for probably about a decade or so, but it got real popular with just the man on the street, and they jumped into 3D printing just like they jumped into the dot-com bubble in you know the late 1990s, and just like they jumped into the cryptocurrency Bitcoin bubble that we saw this past you know year, 18 months. In every one of those cases, at the time that the bubble was inflating, there was no real sound fundamental reason to be investing in those technologies. It doesn't matter how good the future may be for them. The technology changes and evolves so abruptly that you can't know exactly what technology to invest in or what company to invest in. Being an early investor in a technology space is things that I avoid because it's too speculative. You know that the technology is going to be beneficial in the future, but there's no companies making any profit in it, so there's no fundamentals to measure. There's no actual value today that you can assess, and so you're simply speculating on which horse you think is going to win that horse race. So that's why before I ever look at any stock or before I do any type of screening of any type of industry sector, I'm first looking at the fundamentals. Is this a company or are there companies in this industry or in this sector that are profitable? Are their sales increasing? How big is their marketplace? Do they have other markets they can expand into or new products that they can create? And then from there, I look at trends. I say, okay, let's look at man-made trends. How are demographics going to affect the profits of the companies in this sector? Or how about government policies? Are they going to have an impact on this sector? And I go through all the different trend factors that are anthropological. And then I move over to the mother nature side of things. And I look at the natural trends. And I say, well, is this company in agriculture and it's going to be maybe adversely affected by droughts that could be pending this year? Or is this industry all located on a Pacific coastline over in Malaysia somewhere that is prone to hurricanes or tsunamis? Remember Fukushima in Japan? Those type of mother nature events can really affect not only a company, but wipe out an entire industry. So I look at those and then I go on and I look at the chart patterns. But the first thing I look at is the fundamentals. And I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but I really need to emphasize this because people get so myopic and they put on their blinders and they just want to look at one aspect. And oftentimes the aspect they're looking at is some kind of a hype. Something that they're hearing a lot about in the media or something that all their friends are talking about. So again, that's why I stick to the fundamentals. And so throughout this year, even though many times we've seen a lot of bad technicals and chart patterns, to me, the fundamentals have always been sound and also favored by the trends. 
the price of oil is down near almost $45 a barrel. That's good news for the economy and it's good news for the United States because it means we not only have to import less energy, we're actually becoming an energy powerhouse exporter. It has to do with the oil wildcatters that have developed these techniques of horizontal drilling and fracking, which has made our country awash in natural gas and in petroleum. Go down to any of the states that border the Gulf Coast, Louisiana, Texas, they're just booming down there with all types of not only retrofitting the old oil refineries, but there is a whole renaissance going down there in the petrochemical business. This energy trend is not going to give up anytime soon. And once all the ripples work themselves out, it's not only going to be good for the United States, but it's going to be good for the entire world because abundant and low cost energy is a good thing. And speaking of good things, despite all the jaw flapping that you hear about rising interest rates in the Federal Reserve, guess what? 30-year mortgages are back below 4.5%. That means that it's very affordable to borrow. The cost of money is cheap. And you combine that with the fact that energy is cheap, and then you combine that with all the technologies that are coming onto the marketplace and coming on with better performance and lower cost every year. Inflation is very stable, people have money to spend, credit is easily accessible, and voila, you have a growing economy. And that's exactly what we have. And we're going to have that going into 2019 and even into 2020. Corporate profits next year are not going to be over 20% the way they were this year. We know that because the impact of the corporate tax cuts was the strongest in 2018. That's why corporate profits were, I don't know, they're going to come in at maybe 22, 23% increase this year. Now, of course, they're not going to be that strong next year, but GDP is still going to grow. And even if it only grows at some of the lower estimates that are out there, which is two and a half percent, that's still higher than the GDP growth rate that we saw over the 16 years of George W. Bush and Barack Obama. And that type of GDP rate, based on the efficiencies that we're seeing on the way that these big corporations are run, and with interest rates staying below 4% or so, and with the economy chugging along, I think, at a minimum, you can look at corporate profits to be up 6% next year. And if that happens, we're going to be looking at forward earnings on the S&P 500 of about 14.3. That's a P.E., a price-per-earnings ratio, of about 14.3. And that's where the value comes in. That's where I look at the fundamentals and I say, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of talking heads talking about gloom and doom. But at the end of the day, corporations are still profitable and they're going to be profitable. And the valuations have come way down to where they're not only at a historic low in nominal terms, but in comparative terms, they're even more beneficial. And it's hard to talk about this in an audio format. You've heard me mention it before, but think about this. Interest rates right now on the 10-year treasury, that's the gold standard. That's the rate and the risk level that you judge all other investments on. Right now, the 10-year treasury is paying less than 2.8. And so if you take the reciprocal of 2.8%, that's 1 divided by 0.028, you come up with the price per earnings value for putting your money in a 10-year treasury into the benchmark. That's almost 36 times. 
You compare that with the current price per earnings ratio of the S&P 500, not the forward, but just the current ratio right now, that's about 15. So would you rather own the stock market that pays about a 2% dividend and only be paying about a 15 times premium for it? Or would you rather have a 10-year treasury, which is going to pay you less than 3% and pay almost a 36 times premium for it? And that's where I see the fundamentals and the value. And even looking at the rising interest rates, which the Federal Reserve is talking about, and we'll get to that in a minute, but even if you look forward at the rising interest rates, it's still, I think, beneficial to be in the stock market because for one thing, as these interest rates keep going up, the value of your bond is going to go down. And even if you factor in what the Federal Reserve is talking about now, they say they're going to do two interest rates next year and maybe one in 2020. So more or less, that's going to bring the 10-year treasury in line with what I've been talking about for a long time, which is 4%. And if you take the reciprocal of 4%, what do you get? 25 times earnings. So if you look at your forward earnings on a 10-year treasury into 2020, you're looking at paying a 25 times premium. Where on the other hand, with the S&P 500, even assuming if there's no growth in 2020, and only 6% growth in 2019, you're still looking at a very reasonable forward price per earnings ratio of something like 14.3. That's significantly undervalued when you consider the benchmark investment of a 10-year treasury is 25 times earnings. So when I talk about fundamentals, these are the things that I'm looking at. I know it's scary right now, and I know you're hearing a lot of gloom and doom. But for me and my money, I'm keeping it in the market as I get more cash available. I keep buying in at a lower cost. And I believe that because of the trends and the fundamentals, we will see a bottom settle in. And I don't know if it's going to happen at 2400 or if we're going to have to wait until we go into a full-blown bear market and drop down to 2300 or bounce off the four-year moving average. Or I don't know where that bottom is. Right? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But this is what I am going to predict. At some point, we're going to hit a bottom in this market and then the market's overseas. And just like always happens when we hit a bottom, things will start moving up and we'll go on and hit all-time record highs. I know some of you that are hearing this probably think I'm crazy. But if you do, I'd encourage you to go back about three years ago. Go back and listen to episode 146. That's 146. I recorded it in the middle of October 2015. And in fact, I'm taking the title of today's episode and basing it on that episode back then. Back then in that episode, I talked about dealing with the crash of Walmart stock. It was something that I had bought earlier that summer. I had planned on holding it for a couple weeks, a couple months. It looked like the chart pattern was going to break out. They got a new CEO. I had studied their fundamentals. They were sound. They had a strong balance sheet. I went out and looked at Walmart stores and I talked to people across the country. It seemed like people were seeing an improvement in their local Walmart stores, which had been digressing and degrading over the, the uh, tenure of the previous CEO. I knew this new CEO was young. He was smart. He was going to find out a way to deal with Amazon. And so I bought the stock looking for a pop over the next you know, a couple, two, three months as everybody else came to the same conclusion I did. Well, you know what? It didn't. It went down about 20 or 25% just in those ensuing three months. And that's why I recorded episode 146. Now let's fast forward to today. You know what? I still have never sold that Walmart stock. 
it remains the longest held position that's in my current portfolio. And over these past three years, there's been times when that stock has gotten beat up bad and it's gone down to, I don't know, 30, 35% loss, but it always bounces back up because it has positive fundamentals. And like I said, I believed it had a new CEO that was going to be able to take on Amazon and make changes. And in fact, there have been some great changes and advances made at Walmart because over these last three years that I've owned that stock, I think in some cases it's been up well into the 40s, if not maybe 50% more than what I paid for it. Now, I've never chose to sell it over these three years because every time I do go to sell it and I look at comparatively what else I have to buy out there, that Walmart position still fits and serves a place in my overall portfolio, so I've never sold it. Now, I don't have all my money in Walmart. I only have between 5 to 10% in that particular stock. But over these last three years, it's served me well. In fact, even with this meltdown that we're seeing in the market right now, I'm still up about, I think, 20% in that Walmart stock. And so if you average that out over three years and include the dividend that Walmart pays for it, well, I'm averaging, even in this down market, close to 10% return per year on that investment. Now, that's not a home run, but that's a solid base hit. And at some point, I'll sell it for a return more than that because I'm not going to sell it in a down market like we're in right now. I'm going to wait until I get more appreciation out of it. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that I've held on to that Walmart stock because it has good fundamentals. And over the long run, fundamentals always win. And so right now, we're in a correction. We could be moving into a bear market. I don't know. I can't predict it. For now, though, I remain in this market because I think the fundamentals and the long-term trends are still in place to go on to all-time new record highs. I know that's a lonely position to be taken right now, 